welcome back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where I explore gentle positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm your host, Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 20. It's been probably six weeks since I recorded an episode of the podcast. I have missed it. I am just so excited to be back um, recording an episode. We've just been busy. I, um, I'm a tutor and I homeschool my kids. And I was very busy teaching the great Gatsby and helping kids with some research papers and um, all good fun. But, um, and my, my book is coming out in a few weeks. And as I discovered, there are many things to do right before the book comes out. So I put together some pre-order giveaways for folks. So if you're listening to this before January 2nd, 2020, head over to my website, kimcameronsmith.com, and you can read about the uh, pre-order giveaways, free gifts. When you pre-order, you just have to shoot me an email and I will give those to you. Um, Very excited about my book coming out. It has been a labor of love and a blessing, and I learned um, so much about myself. and enjoyed sharing with you guys um, in my book, uh, my journey toward uh, the way I approach parenting. So check that out, Discipleship Parenting, kimcameronsmith.com. Okay, what am I talking about today? Well, in the last several episodes, I have been focusing on parenting and happiness. I really wanna dig deeper into this. Like how do we parents, we really, we really want our children to feel um, a sense of happiness and well-being. But what about us? How do we um, experience that, and what gets in the way of it? So that's kind of what I've been looking at um, in the last few episodes, and that's what I'll be looking at for the next few episodes. So in this episode, what I want to look at is how our definition of happiness can get us stuck and an unsatisfying drive for some holy grail that seems to elude us, right? So, and why are some of us happier than others? So I think it all depends on what we're looking for, what we think will make us happy. So let's begin first by defining this term. What is happiness? What is it? Well, the catechism actually looked it up a couple days ago. It has something to say about this. So in there, look in sections in the 1700s, that there's a ton of stuff in there. So it tells us that we are put into this world for one ultimate purpose, for one ultimate purpose, to know, love, and serve God. And then finally to come into paradise um, with God eternally. This is beatitude. So Thomas Aquinas writes about this. Many great um, philosophers and theologians have written about this, that our final end is not getting the BMW. It's not getting a new kitchen. It's not even being a great parent. Our true end is beatitude. Here, here's a little quote from section 1723 in the Catechism. True happiness is not found in riches our well-being, in human fame, our power, or in any human achievement such as science, technology, and art, or indeed in any creature, but in God alone, the source of every good and of all love. 
that is beautiful and that is that is beatitude so the problem is most of us don't define happiness that way at least not um, consciously so even if we've heard this message before that um, you know our greatest happiness is found in God we seem to um, doubt it or maybe we forget about it it's like we have amnesia <laughs> I know I, I get amnesia and I forget that. So I think we become attached and addicted to things that are good in themselves, but which can never really satisfy that deep longing for beatitude. A lot of what I'm um, gonna be talking about on the next few shows, it's drawn from um, Father Robert Spitzer's book, Finding True Happiness. It's such a good book, and I've actually mentioned this book to you before on the show. Um, and it's actually it's a trilogy, or maybe is there four books? Anyway, it's there, there's it's like it's a series of books. They're so good, and one of them is specifically on this topic, finding true happiness. Well, I just discovered recently that if you um, have a subscription through your parish, or if you have a private subscription to Formed Formed.org there is a video series based on this book. So if you're a busy parent and you don't have time to read um, Father Spitzer's book and you really kind of like what I'm talking about, you can catch that video series. It's very, very well done, really beautifully produced, and um, it gets kind of to the heart of what, um, what I'm going to be talking about on the show. So the reason I mention that is he says something in the book that he really um, highlights in the, in the um, video series. And that is that we all desire perfect truth, perfect love, perfect justice, perfect beauty, and perfect home. We all naturally desire those things, perfect truth, love, justice, beauty, and home. But we have a tendency to search for them and counterfeits. And this is going to be more clear to you um, as I go on. What we believe will make us happy shapes every single decision we make, right? So nobody purposely chooses something they think will make them miserable. We choose our friends, our jobs, our books, our lunch, because we think they will somehow meet our definition of happiness, even if that definition is on, only subconscious. So let me un unpack that a little bit. What am I talking about? So Father Spitzer, um, in, the, in, in his book, talks about the four levels of happiness. He's very famous for this, but he isn't the first person to point this out, that there are these levels of happiness. Thomas Aquinas talked about it. Socrates talked about it. Um, Martin Seligman, he is kind of the father of positive psychology. So in many different fields, philosophy, theology, psychology, um, in, in both the secular and in the Christian world, there have been a, there is a recognition of these uh, ascending levels of happiness, right? So basically, um, happiness is at its heart the fulfillment of some desire. We have a desire, and we seek to have that desire fulfilled in some way, or maybe we seek somebody else who can fulfill it. If this desire is satisfied, we really do feel happy, but often only temporarily. Or often we experience happiness, but at the same time, 
we experience some suffering because we indulge too much in this thing we desire. We have many desires, some of them more worthy than others, right? So there are these levels, right? And so nothing we desire is really bad in itself, but there are like virtues and vices associated with how we use those things. Um, okay, so the four level levels, just very briefly, are pleasure, basically meeting of some physical need, winning or success, making a difference, and transcendence. Those are the four levels. So number one, pleasure. Number two, winning or success. Number three, making a distance in the difference in the world and the highest level of happiness is transcendence so the catechism's definition which we talked about as beatitude that is level four happiness that is our ultimate happiness now there are good things in levels one through three it's not that bad 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 and then good at transcendence all those goods that we experience in the first three levels are meant to lead us toward level four but because of concupiscence our tendency to be sinful, we can get really bogged down in some of the, um, the lower levels. And those lower levels are ne never really ultimately enough to give us some deep sense of um, satisfaction and happiness. All right, so let's look at these ascending levels. Now, let me see, where, how am I on time? Okay, I'm already at 10 minutes. So I will only talk about levels one and two in this show. And then I will do a separate show on levels three and four. So level one, I've actually heard different people uh, explain this level in varying ways, but I'm. But ultimately, I, I guess it comes down to satisfying our desire for pleasure, for pleasure. It's a happiness that comes from meeting, um, first of all, our basic needs for food, shelter, and clothing. Most psychologists recognize that if you don't have those basic needs met, you cannot move on to self-actualization. But even more than that, many um, uh, theologians and philosophers say that it also includes, you know, just like physical pleasure, like the pleasure we get from eating um, our favorite cake or having a morning cup of coffee or accumulating things. So not just having shelter, but accumulating things. Satisfying our physical desires for food, for even sex, and appreciating the material gifts of the earth is okay, right? I, I really do enjoy my morning cup of coffee. It really does give me um, some happiness. There's nothing wrong with these things. In their place, they are meant to lead us to God because God is the source of all the goodness we experience in those things. God is the source of all the delight I experience in my morning cup of coffee. But the happiness we feel in these things, they tend to, it tends to be very short-lived and our lives will be very shallow if we focus mostly on happiness in this level one right now i think it's doubtful that anyone listening to this show functions solely at level one which i'll it'll be very clear later at level three but i think parents move into level three happiness automatically because level three is about giving a gift of ourselves to others for their well-being one problem we have in modern society, though, for all of us, is that we are bombarded 
by marketing messages that want us to believe that, you know, all we need is the new car or the donuts or the new shoes or whatever. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if these are, um, if we really believe that, that that is the main thing that, you know, if we just get the name brand shoes, if we get the bigger house that we'll be happy, we're fooling ourselves. And it really concerns me with respect to children because kids are becoming more and more materialistic. Think about what you had when you were a kid compared to like some of some of our kids, their rooms are stuffed with stuff. I remember when I was a kid, I did have toys and I did have clothes, but I had basically the, um, the number of clothes I needed for one week. And then we would wash all of our clothes on the weekend. Well, we're very blessed to have access to more affordable goods, but our kids do have so much stuff. So I'm recording during Advent and it is really interesting just the messages kids get that if they just get the in toy, all their dreams will come true on Christmas morning. And I've been fighting that message since I became a mother. Like Philip and I, we tend to, you know, give our kids little gifts throughout the year and they actually really don't get very much on Christmas morning because we really wanted to resist that message that all of their dreams, like, oh, Everything will be good in their lives on Christmas morning. They, they would all, they, a kid will always be disappointed. It's never as good as the advertisements make it seem, right? One of my kids had a problem for a while of, you know, really glomming on to the next thing he wanted, right? So first he wanted this um, motorized scooter. And um, as soon as he got it, he noticed, oh, you know, it's actually really not as exciting as I thought it would be. And then the scooter sat in the garage unused. And then he wanted to sell the scooter to get this fancy watch. And then it was um, a virtual reality. And I finally, and every, each time he would get the thing, he would be let down in some way. So I just gently pointed this out to him that, you know, it's okay to, you know, there is nothing wrong if you want some new tea towels for your kitchen or if you're um you know you want some cute boots that you saw at target or something like okay that's fine but these material objects can never satisfy us for very long um so anyway regarding children the reason i mentioned it is that i'm seeing um more studies coming out about kids and materialism that kids are becoming more materialistic and there's a correlation between materialism in childhood and later narcissism and unhappiness in adulthood so there's a correlation it doesn't mean that it's caused but there's some connection and so i think we parents we want to be good examples um, you know, like I, um, Philip and I, we try to explain to our kids, you know, why we don't uh, get certain things. And when we make a choice to get um, certain items, how we go about deciding that and how you go about, you know, budgeting. And young kids obviously are not mature enough to really even consider the way advertisements are manipulating them. And, and really, they don't really care. But I think... And they probably don't even care that they know they're going to get tired of the toy eventually. So I recognize that. They don't care. <laughs> they just want the toy today. But I think we still have to be that strong leader 
and just say no when we are aware that our child really doesn't, you know, that it's going to be bad for our child to accumulate that next object. Okay, so that's level one. Level two, wow, I've really been thinking about this level. Okay, so the way Father Spitzer describes it is um, it's ego happiness. It's um, having some success or winning in some way. So for him, it comes from winning at the comparison game. I'm better than somebody in some way, or I'm being admired in some way. It's a little higher than level one because you're beginning to reflect on yourself and wanting to engage your talents in the world. And I see it as an aspect of the emergent self. So on my um, blog, and a few times on this show, I've talked about uh, the um, emergent energy in children and indeed in all human beings. So we all have this energy where, I mean, part of the maturation process is finding our own creative edge and how we, as unique human beings, can bring our creativity and our unique gifts to the world. And level one, you're just focused on things and pleasure but in level two, you're mastering the world in some way by bringing your energy, your talents, your goals into play. So it is higher than level one. And this is good. But the problem is, this is what Father Spitzer points out, the problem is at this level, sometimes you become so focused on winning and success in themselves that you're not doing it because you love the thing or you love the game, you're doing it because you need to win. You just want to win. You want to be better than the other person. So if you tend to get a high from being the best or at least being better than others, when you experience experience a success, right, when you score the winning touchdown or you win some scholarship or something, there is somebody else who might do it better next time. So even if you win or you get that promotion, it's always a short-lived um, sense of happiness. Now we all do this to some degree. We compare ourselves to others. Um, we compare our talents, our houses, um, even our families. So sometimes for some of us, I don't know, we believe on some level that we'll be loved more if we're better than others. That makes no sense. <laughs> Because really, it just annoys people sometimes. But it's very addictive. Think about celebrities and um, really high earners in our society. They believe that if they just become a little more famous, they get a little bigger movie role, make a little more money, they'll finally be happy. But they're happy only for a moment. And then it fades because they have to go for the next big thing. That's just like my child who needed the next big thing and accumulating objects. So these people, are they're no longer relishing in their craft, but they're focusing on the win, the money, the status. That's the problem. And I'm thinking about this in relation to social media. Think about the kind of satisfaction or happiness that we experience in social media. It's instant happiness. You know, you receive likes, lots of feedback on your photos or whatever. The problem is it's often an illusion and you know it's an illusion. 
And the problem for some of us who don't have as many likes, you know, I have 12 whole followers. I think it's like 15 now. Someone, I think one of them's trying to sell me something. <laughs> so I have 15 Twitter followers. You know, I'm a big Twitter loser. <laughs> so if I was ex comparing myself to some of the big Catholic influencers, I would feel kind of crummy. <laughs> But um, it's but I am a relatively successful blogger. So I have a blog and, you know, I've been around for a while. The thing to understand that I was um, talking to Chloe um, Langer about this. I was on her show, uh, Letters to Women. It was she has such a great show. We were talking about this topic that moms especially, they compare themselves to moms on Instagram and on Twitter and on, and on these mom blogs. And the thing is, for those of us who have been around a long time, we're very protective of our family's privacies, our family's privacy. So if it wouldn't be appropriate to share everything, to show pictures of our teenager having a tantrum or whatever, you know. So what, what you're seeing is the good side. Uh, we'll share the story of the teenager making breakfast for the family, but we don't share the story of the teenager making wisecracks or slamming their door or whatever, right? So just be aware of that and comparing yourself to other people on social media that social media, we know that people, the longer you spend, the more time you spend on social media, the less well-being you have. And I think part of it is at this level to happiness that it's if you're on social media and you are popular, it, you know, deep inside, it's just fleeting and you need to get to the next level of likes or the next level of followers. And if you have all of your identity um, packed into social media, you know, you're not really going to be um, happy for very long. Okay, the other thing for us as parents is um, the parenting comparison game. Chloe and I talked about that too. So as parents, we can look for the admiration of others and how we parent or what our kids are like. So, and it can be subconscious, like you can be become addicted at level two to your kids being the best, being the best athlete, the most well-behaved, the holiest, right? Or you may feel badly and feel like you're maybe less happy because you're kind of on the losing end of the comparison game. Your kids throw, you know, goldfish in, in during mass while the lady across the, the aisle, her kids are praying in the pew and you feel kind of crummy, right? So this is level two comparison that you feel like you're losing. But even if you're winning at the parenting comparison game, it's very, very fleeting. And it's really, sometimes it's not fair to kids because kids, you know, they have bad days. <laughs> and so you might become addicted to your kids being the picture perfect children, you know, in your picture perfect world. And when it's not that way, you can kind of develop a subconscious sense of resentment that your life isn't measuring up to your expectations or whatever. So that's just a thought I had about parenting in comparison. And I think that level two, it makes me think again of level one and the accumulation of material goods, because I think level two desires sometimes 
when we compare ourselves to others, we think in some way that we're going to be admired more if we have, well, at least kids do. They think if they have like that latest scooter, the coolest virtual reality thing, that somehow they're going to be more admired. So it's not just the accumulation of the objects in level one, it's level two, comparing ourselves to our neighbors or to our friends and thinking, you know, we're going to be liked more if we have those things. So if our happiness depends on being the best or being admired, we will become frustrated or even depressed. Excessive comparison can also lead us to envy and pride. Those are sins. So, of course, it's okay, you know, to want our children to be holy and to be well-mannered and to, or to want to do well in our jobs. But these desires need to be kept in their places. We want our children to be holy and well-mannered and we want to do well on our job jobs for the glory of God, not because we want to be better than other people. We want to do well um, because we're striving for excellence, because that is a virtue. And we bring glory to God by using our talents, you know, in, in the workplace. And one last thought. I want to mention something about competitive people and attachment. Some people with um, deep attachment wounds, they're very addicted to this comparison game. They're very addicted to success and competition. They break up with uh, romantic partners if the relationship is getting too serious because they are threatened by, um, I don't know, like the, the vulnerability and emotions. And, but if they do get married, it tends not to be out of deep love, but because the spouse fits as a status symbol in some way. Uh, so p other people for these, p these um, attachment wounded people, other people tend to be tools on their personal um, quest to climb the ladder of success or their drive to get their own needs met. They're not other oriented. So an adult with this kind of attachment issue, they are annoyed by neediness and normal healthy children. So they kind of push these children to be independent too early before the children are ready. And they also emphasize academic or sports success in these in their parenting like they want their kids to be very academically or um, uh, successful or do really well in sports because that's what they value in themselves they measure their own value by how successful they are in those areas and so they inadvertently make their kids feel that their love depends on them the kids doing well in sports or academics right? So let's remember that Catechism 7, 723. True happiness is not found in riches or well-being, in human fame or power, or in human achievements such as science, technology, and art. Riches, recognition, power, achievement can feel good temporarily, but ultimately we will feel flat and want more, right? So anyways, so if you become addicted to these things, fame, power, you know, these are the famous vices. You will always need more. You'll need one more level, one more thing to feel that sense of satisfaction. And it never lasts long, right? It's a kind of lonely life. God does not want you to stay on the level two hamster wheel. 
So some things in level two are very good and it can be um, part of human flourishing. But if you have some kind of issue and you're stuck in attachment to in the comparison game, it's just a hamster wheel. Okay, so I'm almost at 30 minutes, so I'm going to leave it there for now. Next time we will check out the next two levels of happiness where we move beyond the basics of pleasure or the limitations of the comparison game and we get to being other oriented and eventually transcendence. So we'll look at that next time. So that's it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, intentionalcatholicparenting.com. There you'll find articles, links to research on parenting and child development. You'll also find links to connect with me on social media. And go to kimcameronsmith.com if you'd like to um, check out the free gifts I have for pre-ordering my book, Discipleship Parenting. Pray for me as I will for you. God bless. Have a great day. 